0: Whitney, thank you so much for joining us today. We would like to know what influenced you to become a teacher, and if there were any people in your life that influenced you to make this decision um, to go into teaching.
1: Sure. Um, Well, I'm a third-generation dance teacher, but uh, despite that, I had no interest in ever becoming a dance teacher, or a teacher for that matter one because I learned how to balance a checkbook for my grandma and realized she had no money and uh more importantly like even as a elementary student I really just like wanted to change the world and and uh you know help make the world a better place and I felt as a you know elementary school kid that that meant I wanted to like run an NGO or work um abroad making an impact so that was always my goal and uh By the time I got to college, I ended up majoring in urban studies and community development with the goal of working for like a government or NGO. And I graduated in the middle of the recession and there were hiring freezes everywhere. (laughs) So I ended up in the private sector and uh, in the evenings to kind of avoid the soul-sucking, crushing private sector work of making the wealthy even wealthier. I would uh, use my skills and do some like pro bono work, and I ended up starting teaching dance again. And mm. all the moms would always say like, "Oh, Miss Whitney, you're so great at teaching. Why don't you become a real teacher?" And I'm like, I'm "A what real to teacher? College. I have a career, <laughs> yeah." <laughs> and like, this is just like my hobby, and you know, I, I don't really get paid doing this. Like, I mm-hmm. I get paid at my job. <laughs> and uh, my mom died, and after my mom died, I kind of reevaluated everything, and I was like, "What am I really?" doing you know this isn't what I wanted to do so I decided to join the Peace Corps and I applied for the Peace Corps and I was going through that process and I was like I really want to be a teacher I don't care where you send me like I'll go anywhere in the world I just want to be a teacher and they were like oh you're a construction manager who's worked at the city and you know you run multi-million dollar projects like we have all of these openings we'd love to send you right now and I'm like yeah but I want to be a teacher and they're like you're not qualified uh... <laughs> and, No teaching background. So it ended up taking a while. And during that process, I actually ended up meeting my husband and withdrawing my application from the Peace Corps. And it was the best decision I ever made. And he suggested, why don't you like become a teacher? (laughs) That's really what you want to do. Yeah. So I went to Cal State Fullerton because they had a great program in uh, social justice incorporated into their teaching credential program. And I signed up for school like two weeks later.
0: Awesome! That's great. Two <laughs> week uh, wow. decision point.
2: No, no, no. That was that was great. Now, can you can you share with us what your what your teaching philosophy is, and then how how you came about with that philosophy, and then possibly let us let us know, or and 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 let our listeners know, maybe what was your teaching, your philosophy of of teaching, right before you got into a into the teaching program, and then what your what your, how that, how that philosophy has, has actually changed.
1: Absolutely. I think growing up, my mom always respected me as a child and I kind of always grew up respecting kids. I feel like they're their own people. They have their own opinions, their own skills, their own interests. And I think that kids are highly underestimated. And I feel like that kind of has always been part of my teaching philosophy. Uh, So once I was at Cal State Fullerton, I think that my, my philosophy definitely evolved and, and kind of grew as I was learning. But I believe, like, as a teacher, it's my job to really help my students develop their own skills and their own passions to become the best versions of themselves. I don't believe that it's my job to give them the skills that I think that they need to know um, as much as it is to kind of latch onto their passions and help them create their own roadmap for success um, rather than instilling what I believe that they should be doing.
0: Can you give us some examples of maybe some lessons that you've done that you've put your philosophy into practice in this wing? Uh,
1: absolutely. At, uh, so I've been a student teacher at first grade and in fourth grade. And so with my first graders, I just asked them, I asked them what they're interested in. If I know what they want to know and what they don't know. And, um, you know, the same with my fourth graders, but with my first graders, I found out they really were interested in homelessness, uh, some, an issue in their community, and they wanted to know more about it, know what they could do. And so I just kind of built off of that and built a unit on, like, people in our community, but I also wanted it to be positive and um, have them feel like they could do something about it. So I started looking into student change makers, kids their age that were making a difference, and I actually had a really hard time finding those resources, but once I did, I was able to let them, they made their own, um, picket signs and we marched around the school and they could do any topic they wanted. It didn't matter, but they just to get them kind of aware that they could have their voices heard and be seen, um, happened to be an election time when I, uh, was student teaching them. So we, uh, the polling place was on our campus. So we walked up there and they held their signs and people got to see that they were interested in, even though they're, you know, only a few months into first grade. I (laughs) love
0: that. How did people respond (laughs) to that?
1: Um, Most people loved it. I mean, it's a lot of their parents and stuff too, like Uh local community members. Yeah. Um, You know, some of the signs were amazing for a first grader and some of them, (laughs) they, they, you know, couldn't quite read what the, the was written on them, but uh, the kids were the most proud. And that's to me what mattered is they felt like, okay, I have, you know, a say in what's, uh, you know, what's going on. Uh, later that year for Christmas, they end up making um, greeting cards for the homeless in the community. And I told them anytime I'd see somebody, I'd give them their greeting card. And that was a really cool experience for me to come mm. back to school and like, oh, hey, you know, no, I gave out. Your Christmas card you made the other day.
0: So, oh, that's really cute.
1: You know, just finding out what they were interested in kind of empowered them to be more interested in the topics we were learning.
2: Yeah. Um, well, then, yeah, tell us what, what what some of your favorite favorite units and lessons are, um, um, and then how 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 you're looking at. Obviously, that's that's what you're doing. You're looking at problem and project based. Learning can right. you can you tell us more as as to how how you've created all of these lessons?
1: Well, the first pro- problem I kind of ran into in that first grade classroom was finding resources. I felt like there was a lot of resources out there, they weren't necessarily student safe resources, and I knew that like as I started teaching older students, I couldn't just send them online and like Google homelessness and you know see what you find because. You know, that, that's not the results that I was looking for my students to have. Exactly. So, um, that, so this was about a, a year and a half ago, I guess. And that's when I started building a website because I couldn't find one. So I thought I'd make it myself so that I could have my students access all those resources. So what I started doing was researching student change makers, um, kids who were having like a huge impact on some issue that they cared about. I figured I wasn't the only kid that cared about those kind of topics. And I quickly learned, like, my students, especially kids today, being so much more, you know, interactive and attached to the world and having social media and the news, um, really do care and really wanted to make a change about real issues. So I started finding all of these, you know, students around the world who've made these amazing contributions and categorizing them and finding, like, what's in common. And then I built the website based around that. So the website I built is called Cause, and it is like basically a student research website. And each student has a, or each cause is a different topic. And I ended up separating them into two different sections. One section is our planet, and one section is our people. Because okay. uh, I've had teachers who are not necessarily comfortable with all of the topics. Mm. And so that way, the our planet um, mm. seems to be comfortable for everyone. That's it has like endangered species and climate change and ocean pollution and microplastics. And it um you can kind of basically bypass the other topics that not all teachers are comfortable with. But since all of the topics were stemmed from student interest, all of them are topics that kids actually have an interest in. Yeah. So it's not that they were inherently inappropriate, but there are things like gender equality or um homelessness and hunger and international relief or lgbtqi rights that not all teachers were comfortable with in their classroom so that's why it's kind of separated into two sections but basically the idea was any kid could go on the website it's free and they could learn in a safe enclosed space um, what they want to know about different topics so that they could start doing their research for project-based learning for genius hour projects for any kind of student led activities or projects that allow kids to actually just research something they're interested in. So for my fourth graders last year, we or earlier this year, um, they were really struggling with using fact-based evidence in their writing and they were struggling with opinion writing. So I had them use the website. They could pick any topic they wanted to, and then they wrote letters to our state um, representatives and they had to be persuasive and using evidence that they found on the website. So everything on the website is hyperlinked to student-friendly resources. There's uh, student-based like science journal magazine articles and uh, videos that are appropriate. So they were able to quote and reference specific facts. So I had fourth graders who were writing about climate change or endangered species and microplastics and they're saying, "This is why you should do something about it. I'm in fourth grade. Here are the facts." you know, please listen to me. And a lot of them have gotten responses. They actually mailed out all the letters. And it's the most exciting thing when they come in the mail that they get their letter from Diane Feinstein. They're like, look, she listened. She even talked about the facts I brought up. So.
0: Wow, that's really cool. cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow, you're really putting into practice your philosophy of giving student voice. I just love that. I recall um, a story you shared with us of how you were a child of action <laughs> growing <laughs> up. Can you tell us about that as your first like action project as a kid?
1: Uh when I was 10, I started a nonprofit. I think that that's what you're referring to. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I was definitely a kid who cared way more about like, you know, I had the friends who like had their Tamagotchis and they cared what happened to them at night. And I go home thinking like there's kids in Ethiopia, that are starving. Like, why mm-hmm. is this not what we're talking about in school? Um, <laughs> So when I was uh, 10, I told my mom I was going to have a carnival because that's how, like, my school raised money. Mm -hmm. And I was going to raise money for um, kids with cancer. My grandmother had cancer at the time. And she's like, oh, honey, you, like, they'll make, like, $10. Uh, Why don't you guys just get ice cream? And I'm like, no, mom, we're going to make money, and we're going to donate it to the hospital. So we did. (laughs) So I put on a carnival every year for... I was like 19 so for nine years and uh it kept growing every year and finally I you know I was in college and and had other responsibilities and a job and (laughs) a career going but um yeah we definitely got it it was definitely a learning experience running that I was always the very serious 11 year old like mom they're just like not taking me seriously this is a professional meeting and she'd be like honey they're 10 like you (laughs) you remember how much money you made at your first carnival? Uh, my first carnival, our goal was $100. Um, I think we got $94, and we suddenly got a $6 donation. And it was like, oh, my gosh, like, not realizing the irony that my mom's friend had, like, <laughs> like <laughs> I was
0: like, <laughs> I was like your principal like, well, probably wrote exactly.
1: yeah. And I, like, went inside and I counted out because the tickets to the carnival were 10 cents. Mm-hmm. So $100 was a lot of change. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Right. And counting that out, i have never seen so much money in my life, so I thought it was the most money ever, and I was very excited. <laughs> That's
0: so cool. I just love that.
1: Yeah, I think we got VHS tapes for the uh, kids who live in the hospital that year is what the money was used for. Oh, like, nice. I, I got to go yeah. and uh, actually like donate my envelope of like change
2: <laughs> to the <Nice>. American
1: <laughs> Cancer Society.
2: <laughs> wow. Well, you know, obviously there's, there's a lot of things going on now. Uh, yeah. And so can you, can you share with us how, how COVID-19 is, is affecting you as a, as a teacher um, and, and how that is also changing changing how, how you do PBL or, or teaching?
1: Yeah, so I um, was subbing and I left the classroom a little bit early because I am 38 weeks pregnant and trying to stay as healthy as possible. But um, I'm still in this world of I have the social media feed constantly of all of the teachers that I follow and interact with that are doing PBL. And they're doing such amazing things remotely versus uh, the teachers that I hear about from my like my nephews or whatever. They're like, oh, I have a packet of homework. Mm -hmm. And it's those teachers who are doing this like amazing using those tools that I learned about in my credential program because we were able to learn how to use so many great like technology tools to really connect with families that you see, like, I mean, I'm a big advocate of home visits, which obviously you can't be doing right now, but having the like digital version of home visits where you're in your family's homes and you're really getting to see their family. And I've seen so many great teachers giving these like challenges like, Oh, let's try this challenge today. Like post this challenge and try this thing that kids are really doing these great projects at home outside the classroom and the whole families are getting involved and I've been really inspired and I hope it continues in some way. Like I hope this kind of at home interaction, the videos, the, the posts where you actually get to like really connect with student families. I hope that that maintains and continues on as, you know, we're all healthy and can shake hands again. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um are you hearing anything from you mentioned your nephew I think um are you hearing things from parents and other kids of struggles that they're having or experiences do you have anything
1: um, Well yes I definitely hear a lot of teachers need raises <laughs> That's the, <laughs> the like, hashtag right now I Yeah think. um because there's definitely some you know my family who realize like oh wow you know this is way more difficult and I just have two kids. And you're like, uh, now add 30. (laughs) (laughs) I also have all of my dance students who have, you know, I know on a much more personal level too, because I have been able to make those connections with them since they were five and now they're, you know, 15, but I have their whole families, you know, in my social media world. And so seeing all the different, they all go to different schools. So seeing all the different things that they're doing, the, their families are getting so involved in such great things that like I've learned about recently Um, within my program, just, like, great literature activities. So I'm happy to see that those activities are happening because you don't usually get to see Mm -hmm. the kids actually doing these different activities, especially, like, some of the younger ones. Um, And then I've been letting people know, like, my cause website's free. Like, go on it, you know, let them do. Um, I've been giving that to, like, my family friends and stuff. What is Um, the website
0: to your cause web? Uh, website? Uh,
1: it's a tiny URL right now so that I can keep it free. So it's tiny URL backslash cause, K O Z, heroes. Um, and that way there's a teacher website that you can link to from there, which is the tiny URL cause teachers, but it's linked to within the website.
0: Okay. We'll share that in our notes for the podcast yeah. too. So that's good. So what. Um, You mentioned about some great experiences in your credential program and learning a lot of tech tools. You also mentioned um, that Cal State Fullerton has the integrated um, social justice piece. Can you share with us any memorable learning experiences that you had going through your credential program?
1: Absolutely. Um, So Cal State Fullerton has what they call the just, equitable, inclusive education lens through which you're looking at all different aspects of teacher education and and student education. And that was one of the things that drew me to the program because that is kind of the way I look at teaching and why I wanted to become a teacher. Um, So I was really interested in looking at it through that lens. And I think that I was able to really develop my um, teaching capabilities through that lens. Uh, I think personally, I grew the most uh, in English language development, um, literature. I am dyslexic. And that was something I had to, like, catch up on as, like, a personal level. But also I had the great pleasure of being trained by an industry, you know, leader, Hallie Yop, in the field of um, loving books and teaching a, a love for reading.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: when I started the program, I, I probably easily owned 100, maybe 200 children's books. And I mm-hmm. probably have a 1,000, maybe closer to 2,000. They're hard to count right now. <laughs> Uh, children's literature books, but they're more books with purpose, realizing how to use them as windows and doors, how to have children um, become interested in, it, again, it's voice and choice, like read what they want to read mm-hmm. and learn how to kind of meet them on their level and, you know, figure out how to engage them in things that they're interested in to get them reading and get them, you know, focused on the things that you're looking for them to focus on, but through things that are impactful to them. So, um, literature and reading has definitely been a, a huge and a powerful part of the program for me. Um, and then growing my collection of books to have graphic novels, books in Spanish. I have learned a lot about, um, you know, incorporating bilingualism within the classroom, even though I don't speak very much Spanish, I'm still learning. <laughs> Not yet, I guess. Good I growth mindset. <laughs> yes, just working on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um... Oh, I think it was a, a great program. I think having that master's degree as well really like gave a lot of depth, especially for someone not from uh the education sector. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the reasons for me I wanted to get the master's, so I had more of that background um in educational philosophy that I didn't have before.
2: So so now now take us into what you wish wish to do once you have your own classroom. You know, what are some um Activities or unit plans or whatever you know. How you know what are you? What are some of your goals as a teacher?
1: I would say definitely getting to know my students as quickly as possible and as much as I can would be my goal. Getting to know my families, getting to do home visits, getting to make that safe classroom environment are some of my things I look forward to the most. I'm hoping to be able to you know be in a school where I can participate in project-based learning and sort of outside the classroom, 21st century critical skills that my students, I think, really need. I think a lot of education, we still are teaching our students the same way we were for the Industrial Revolution. And i really like to mm-hmm. be in a classroom where I'm supported in teaching them for the 21st century and giving them those skills that they need to be you know, responsible leaders and, and confident problem solvers and not just do this task until a bell rings. We don't, we don't work like that anymore. I <laughs> am, um, you know, less so looking forward to the scripted uh, curriculum that I've seen even still, which sadden me, saddens me that it's, you know, 2020 and we still use scripted curriculum in some schools. So yeah. I'm hoping to be able to utilize more PBL methods, more of the, you know, things that we know that are research-based that we know is working to produce, you know, the next generation of students. We have a lot of issues in the world (laughs) that they're going to inherit. And um, I want to make sure that they have those skills to be able to address those issues and not just perform a task that I assign to them.
0: Yeah, and I think you are very passionate. You show your passion through just the love of learning and the love of reading yourself that you um, model for your students. And then I think that that'll be something that your students will learn from you too. And because you give them so much voice and choice, they will find their passion in your classroom too. Do you have a desired uh, grade level that you want to teach? You student taught in first and fourth grade. Um, Your credential is, you know, pre-K through sixth grade so what is your ideal grade level that you want to teach and why
1: um I'm ideally I'd see myself in more of the upper Mm -hmm. elementary grades I eventually I'd like to add a, a history credential to open up the middle school um like getting into political science and history and kind of maybe the sixth or seventh grade I don't have a lot of experience there yeah um But I really, I enjoyed fourth grade. I really love like fifth and sixth grade. Mm -hmm. Um, You're at that time where kids are really starting to be aware of the world around them and wanting to make a difference and wanting to have their voice heard, Um, but still not quite, you know, there yet. They're just starting to get into those waters. So I really do enjoy that age group. When I'm teaching dance, I love that kind of the age group, maybe the sixth to eighth grade I found surprisingly I didn't think that I would love it as as much as I do so um yeah I'm hoping for the upper elementary school yeah
0: what are you working on now so I know you were subbing and you're you know getting ready to go on maternity leave but I know you and I know you're (laughs) you like don't like to stay idle for too long so I want I'm just curious as to what kind of passion projects you're currently working on at this moment
1: Um, trying to get the website better every day, like always. There's you know more and more information, and it being a website with thousands of hyperlinks, keeping those (laughs) active is is uh, something to watch for. Um, and then also you know personally, we just I've I painted a mural in our nursery, so all four walls of detailed um, Well, she'll at least know what the forest looks like from the walls if she can't leave for the next year. Or so, um, <laughs> that's awesome. she'll at least, you know, get to uh, have an idea. Um, yeah, I've been really honored lately. I've actually just gotten a few different awards, so we've been going to some award ceremonies and. Oh, good um, for you! Tell us about
0: those awards. What awards did you get?
1: <laughs> I was honored as a KNX 1070 Hero of the Week. So we just had. Uh, the entire year, I guess they, they had a big awards lunch. That was pretty fun.
0: Congratulations! And then I
1: at Cal state Fullerton was just honored as a creative activities, um, student. So that was one person from each school. I think there's eight schools or eight colleges within the university.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that actually ended up <laughs> getting postponed. So we'll see.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, uh, yeah i've always got a lot of things going on yeah (laughs) for sure you
0: do it's good (laughs) it's a good problem to have
1: (laughs) yeah trying to uh not do too many too many things i slowed down being you know eight months pregnant it's harder to do things
2: (laughs) (laughs) takes a bit longer
1: yeah yeah Yeah, everything just takes longer Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) well then as we're as we're winding down um one of the things that we that we'd like to do is end up with to ask all of our participants to share with the audience what your call to action is Um, with with all that's going on you know Mm -hmm. you know that might have changed but Whitney what is your call call to action
1: for me I feel like it's being there to be the guide to be that person that can support a student when they they need them I was a kid who, if I didn't have great elementary schools, like I don't know where I would have ended up. I was the kid who needed that, that I didn't have a safe home life. So I had the safe elementary school life. I had those teachers who would make sure I got to school, make sure I had the necessities in life. So for me, it's, it's being that person that you know a student can turn to when they need that, that extra person in their life and knowing your students well enough that you are that safe person that they can turn to. And then being that guide for them that can help them follow their dreams and become their best person rather than prescribing what I think that they should be.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so that's what I feel like my calling is.
2: That's awesome. Thank you.
0: I love that. Whitney, you are a rock star. I am so excited (laughs) to see all the things that you're going to accomplish and do when you get your own classroom. Uh, you're going to be a great mom. Too. Thanks. So I just appreciate you and I appreciate your passion for uh, kids and schools and just the world. Thank you. So thanks so much for being our guest today and please keep in touch and let us know all the cool things that you're up to. Yeah.
1: Um, Thank
2: you both. Yeah. Oh, um,
1: you know you'll hear from me by Christmas at the very least. <laughs> <laughs>
2: what, are, what are some, what are some other different social social media outlets that you um that you wish to share
1: so believe it or not i didn't have any social media before i met malia <laughs> 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 she made me sign up for facebook which i'm still not very good at but i am on uh, instagram which i use all the time now at uh let's do something about it and on twitter at center for good and those are both related to the cause website um
0: right yeah yeah we'll share those with everybody we'll take you when this launches and you can share it as well